and welcome to another episode of the SERS Group Podcast. I'm JC. And I'm Barbara. And today we had the amazing opportunity to interview Dr. Grenning. He's one of the most excellent SERS providers who is championing (laughs) our treatment and uh, getting people well again. And like a lot of SERS providers, he has such a heart for this because he himself had SERS. And also... I would like to say that this interview with us is almost like a cool follow-up to the interview he did previously with Judy Cho. I am sure if you're watching ours that you've already watched that one, but if you haven't, I would actually stop this one and go and watch his interview with Judy Cho um, because we do ask very specific questions in response to some of the things that he said in that interview. And that interview is wonderful as well. Um, great interview between the two of them. So uh, yeah, really excited uh, to hear some feedback. Also leave us notes in the comments about how you like this interview as well, please. Absolutely. So Dr. Grenning is going to share some of his top tips for getting through SERS treatment as inexpensively as possible. If you're interested in working with him, you can find him at fibromyalgiafortmyers.com. If you're interested in contributing to his charity work to do a SERS, you can find that information at christianmedicalministries.org. We'll leave all of this in the show notes. And last little note, uh, Barbara and I are not medical professionals. We have SERS. We've read the textbook. We have a community of people who are healing from SIRS. Um, So this is not medical advice. And while Dr. Grenning is a medical professional, he's not your medical professional. So definitely work with a Shoemaker certified provider if you yourself are looking to heal from SIRS. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the SIRS Group podcast. I'm JC. And I'm Barbara. And today we have a very special guest, Dr. Alan Grenning, is joining us. Um, Do you want to give a brief introduction of who you are and where people can find you? Sure. Um, So I am a functional medicine practitioner and have been taking care of SERS patients for about 17 years. So I'm one of the original people that Richie trained to do this. And um, so I've, I've done a lot of this. And um, it's been an interesting journey. I had SIRS myself. I still do. Um, so I, I can empathize totally with what people are going with, with in this. Um, I'm taking care of pretty much the worst of the worst. I have people from all over the world, but mostly the United States, who are um, doing virtual visits. And obviously, I'm living in Fort Myers, which is the epicenter of Hurricane Ian. So I have an epidemic of SIRS going on here, literal epidemic. Um, I also, beside my regular practice, operate a free medical clinic called Christian Medical Ministries, where I am the only, we are the only free clinic in the United States taking care of SERS patients. Like no one else would be nuts enough to do that except me. Um, and so, but along the way, because of that, I've kind of learned how to modify the protocol and be doing this on a budget. And that's what we're going to mostly be talking about, I guess, today. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited to talk to you. And I think anyone who has interacted with you in our group um, has come back with like the most positive things to say about not only you, but your clinic too. And you can just really tell that your heart is in it. Your practice's heart is in this work. So thank you so much for all that you do on behalf of us and everyone in the group and the entire community of SIRS and people who are dealing with this illness. We can't appreciate you enough. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, this is a calling for me, as I talked about in um, Judy Cho's podcast. 
I'm semi-retired. I really don't have to do this. I could just sit back and eat, you know, not bonbons. I guess I'd eat meat. But um, the thing is, this is God's calling on my life to do this. This is why I'm keeping going. And so my practice is structured to basically take in just barely enough money to pay my staff and pay the bills. And I try to keep this very affordable for people. And then who the, those people who don't have insurance can come to my free clinic side of it that we can talk about. So yes, this is a calling for me. And I'm very passionate about helping SIRS patients. I was going to say, I think a lot of people, you know, they're introduced to SIRS and they they have an understanding like, oh, this might be the root cause of a lot of the things I've been experiencing throughout my life. But I think one of the things that stops people from moving forward right from the start is just feeling like it's an impossible task, not only in terms of the length of the treatment, the fact that it is genetic, so you do have to deal with it for the entirety of your life, but it's just that cost, that initial cost barrier is a lot for people to overcome. So we talk a lot in our group about making the protocol as efficient as possible. And sometimes that means not skipping steps and not cutting corners so that you can and heal and you can get healthy. And uh, one thing I did want to ask was uh, in the podcast you did with Judy Cho, you talked a bit about remediation and having a safe environment being key to being able to heal. Um, but for a lot of providers, I think they have this idea of um, remediation being like this $40,000, $60,000 thing that you, you have no other option from. But from what you were saying with Judy, it really felt like you have some ideas of how you can make that a more efficient process for people. Yes. Um, so I developed a, just because no one else had done it, um, a decontamination of structure protocol um, based on the science that we currently have and talking with a bunch of the IEPs that are involved with us, trying to put something in a handout that people could follow that says, okay, this is logical. Mm -hmm. Now, I know there's a lot of people who are ultra crazy about this and, you know, are digging into like every little smidgen of detail, but this is for most people. How can I decontaminate my house? How can I live with this? How can I go on with my SIRS care? Um, so I've tried to do that. And, you know, the testing also, you know, the testing is expensive. So I've tried to come up with some ways to maybe modify that um, so that people might be able to afford this. Because the standard, you know, tests that we're doing for the FAB, the fungi, actinos, and, and endotoxins from Envirobionics is $500. That's a lot of money to spend, right? So or maybe there's some ways that we could work around that. And um, I work with um, some really good IEPs who help with this process. So it makes it a little easier when you have um, the right person you can bring in to help figure out, because as you know, you guys talk about and everybody talks about step one of the protocol is getting out of exposure. And, and if you don't do that right, I don't care what else we do. I mean, it'll help some, but, but you're never gonna get better until you fix that. So I spend an inordinate amount of time going over this with my patients, talking about testing, talking about remediation, talking about decontamination. And um, what's very disappointing is that, you know, as you guys have probably discovered, is that 95% of the remediation companies out there really don't know what they're doing. And it's mm. very scary and it's very disappointing. And so you just have to really vet people out well and some things you're better off doing yourself. Yeah. On that topic, what do you do when you are treating a patient who is not near you in Florida who, and they do have to vet their own IEP? Is there a, a certain line of questioning that you recommend they do? Yeah. How do you, how do you handle that? Well, 
obviously if they're near anybody who's in our Schumacher group, you know, I ask them to try to bring them in personally. Some of those people do virtual visits too. The problem with virtual visits is there is no one there to do thermographic imaging. There's no one there with a thermal camera that could walk around the house and really take a look at it. So depending upon how the test results come back, you know, I tell them, okay, listen, there's too much mold in here. There's too many endotoxins in here. We've got to find a source. You're going to have to bring somebody in to look at the house. Now, if when you call a place, you know, you look for someone who advertises as, I guess, a mold inspector or maybe, and you just tell them, listen, are you familiar with SIRS patients? You know, when you get on the phone and they're like, what's SIRS? Like, then you hang up and you go on to the next one, right? Like if they don't even know that part of it, but really what you need them to do is come in and do a basic inspection of the house to, to look at thermal imaging. So I tell people, you call up, you find an IEP or a mold inspector who has a thermal camera, and you tell them, listen, I need you to come in and look for a source for these molds and endotoxins. And, and if they come in and the air conditioning system's clean, the house is clean, there's no leaks behind the walls, we are good. We can decontaminate that place, right? Maybe the humidity level's too high, we have to lower humidity levels. But, but and maybe the, the air handler is contaminated and it needs to be cleaned out, right? But we can deal with all that. It's just like HVAC companies. So, so I tell people, call the biggest HVAC company in your area and tell them this. I'm immunocompromised. I need your best person to come out and look at my system. So now they're not going to send Joe Blow out there. They're going to send the owner of the company or somebody who's kind of knows more of what they're doing. And then when they get there, I have a whole paragraph on my handout that I give to patients about what I want them to look for, um, how to look in the air handler, how to look at the plenums, how to look at the ducts, how to look at all that, and to take pictures of it and show my patients the coils, show them the fan, show them everything that it's either clean or it's not clean. If it's not clean, we're going to decontaminate it. How are we going to decontaminate it? Well, some of the people are pretty sensitive. It may be better instead of sticking a bunch of organic biocides on it and stinking up the house, it might be better to disassemble it and take it outside and clean it. So, but that's more of a cost. That's more of a process. HVAC companies don't like to do that, you know? So you have to kind of know those things ahead of time and, and be able to, to dig in with them and, and tell them what you want as the consumer and not necessarily what they want. And on the podcast with Judy, I know you talked about Actinos being the the big bear in SIRS right now. It's, <laughs> yep, that face exactly. Yeah. Um, and you talked a bit about decontaminating your home after you're done with whatever remediation process. And I was really excited that you were talking about the Mule uh, vacuums. I used to actually sell those in a retail job I had way back in the day. And the, those vacuums are nice. Those are like the Rolls Royces of vacuums. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, I, you know, I try to tell people, listen, instead of spending $50,000 on some remediation company, let's spend a few thousand dollars on the right equipment to, you could do it. And if you're not physically capable of doing it, maybe you hire a cleaning company and you teach them how to do it from my handout, right? You get the manual labor that you need to come in and do this. And I have patients, you know, that are doing that right now. Here in Fort Myers, I have a wonderful um, uh, cleaning company they actually do um, hazardous waste cleanup. And so they're familiar with how to do a lot of this. And I just had to teach the owner, Bill, uh, it's come, called Clean Keepers. Um, they're only down here in Fort Myers area, but uh, Southwest Florida. But I taught him how to do this protocol. And so now he can go into the house and he can just sterilize the thing. 
like totally clean now, but there's a cost for that, right? It's not going to be cheap, it, you know, but it's going to be a fraction of what a remediation company would charge you to do that. And then do we even know that the remediation company did what they're saying they did? You know, like I have plenty of patients with cameras in their home and we got pictures of the guys just standing there doing nothing like, you know, and then saying they, they vacuum the walls or whatever. I mean, yeah, you just really have to watch everybody like a hawk. And that's why I kind of tell patients, maybe it's better if you do it yourself, hire in like somebody to, and you stand there and you kind of watch what they're doing. That's a great tip. I, I would never have thought of a hazardous cleaning company, but that I know for a lot of service people, just having the physical ability, like the energy in order to clean, feels like an insurmountable task. So that's such a great tip. Thank you. And, and remember then, that the really bad, bad cleaning only has to be done the first time. Like mm -hmm. then it's just a matter of maintaining, you know, the place. And so there's a, you know, kind of a weekly cleaning thing that I try to teach people to do with their mealy vacuum and, and with electrostatic cloths and wiping stuff down, maybe with some EC3. So I just kind of make it simple and say, okay, this shouldn't take you really more than an hour, hour and a half a week to do this. Like it's not, it shouldn't feel over overwhelming. Mm. I appreciate that so much. You really make SIRS feel accessible. It feels accomplishable. <laughs> like I think a lot of times when you're looking at the entirety of the Shoemaker protocol, it's like, oh my gosh, 12 steps, how am I ever going to do this? But for you, it's really just taking each piece, it sounds like, and making it a very actionable thing that the patients can do. So kind of along that lines of the actionable steps, if I think I have SIRS and I'm kind of just getting into this world of SIRS, um, should I get the blood work? Should I find a provider first? What's your read on that? Well, there's a lot of reads. Um, you know, I'm dealing with people. I have two sets of people, basically. One, the people coming to my regular practice, they have health insurance. They can do whatever labs I want. Um, and that's gold. You know, then I have my free clinic side where I have people coming to me with no health insurance and no money and can't do all these labs. Right. So then what do we do? Um, so how, how do you go about treating people without all those tests? Well, first of all, if you have those tests, you know, that's really gold to, to help you figure out where are you at in this whole SERS process. Yeah, we know you already have it because you did a VCS test, you have, did a symptom inventory, you have the, all the clusters. So you, we already know you have SERS, right? But what's your genetics and where's your MSH at and where are your cytokines at? And so the labs are very helpful to kind of figure out okay, how bad is this person? Like how, much, how many steps am I gonna have to do with them? And then the neuroquant is like super important, right? Because if we're already starting out and I already know that you have four areas of brain atrophy, bam, I know where I'm going. We're gonna get you on VIP at some point. Like that's gotta happen, but we've got to move rapidly toward that process, but it's not gonna work if you're still living in a contaminated place. Mm -hmm. So the normal practice side of this all right, that's okay. But what do you do then if you have somebody who's living in a rental situation in an apartment with a landlord who doesn't care, they have no health insurance, they have nowhere else to go? That's a problem. And so, you know, we have to kind of work through those issues and say, okay, you know, do we really need all these lab tests? And you don't. Um, now, if they have Medicaid, and if you're in a state where you've got Medicaid, Medicaid will cover a lot of these tests. Um, you just have to have a doctor who's willing to write the order. So, Sometimes I can order tests for Medicaid patients in another state. Sometimes they'll allow that. Other times they won't. And so the patient has to kind of research that and figure out, you know, and like, like in Florida, for example, 
all Medicaid patients in Florida have to go to LabCorp. You can't go to Quest. That's okay. We can do a lot of the tests through LabCorp and they pay for the whole thing. So that's a blessing to have that. I mean, that's really cool. Other states are similar with Medicaid. So Medicaid's really helpful. But if you have none of that, if you have no health insurance at all, you can easily, I don't want to say easily, you can manage SERS without all these tests. Now, um, there are some basic things that I ask people to get. Fortunately, up to now, we've had our local uh, hospital here has donated um, free in-house labs to us. Um, that may not be continuing. I don't know. I just had a conversation with them yesterday, so we'll have to see. But, you know, if you wanted to get like a, just a kind of some of the basic stuff, it's not going to cost you more than $100 from LabCorp or Quest, but you need to know your thyroid function. You need to know like free T4 and free T3 levels. You have to know your vitamin D level. Um, you know, so there's some kind of iron ferritin. You have to know some kind of basic stuff besides the really expensive SERS test. But then they're totally manageable. I don't have MSHs. I don't know their genetics. I don't have cytokine levels. I don't have any of that. Um, but I put them on the same protocol and it works. How do you That's manage uh, how they're progressing then? Is that uh, doing the VCS test often? It's symptom testing, all of that tracking? Yeah, so once a month, I have them do a VCS test and I do a symptom inventory and I just track how they're progressing through that. Um, if they tell me that they're not progressing, I know what the problem is. It's the place, right? Yeah. And so then it becomes a question of, can they even afford to test the place? And you know, so sometimes they can afford at least a hurts me too. That's a hundred dollars. Um, if we're going to do two tests, I'd add the endotoxins that's $220. So sometimes they can afford that. Um, sometimes the place is just bad enough that, and the landlord won't listen that I tell them there's two options here. Number one, you can fight with code enforcement and I can give you a letter and they can come in and deal with the landlord or you just leave. Problem is if you leave, where are you going to go? So, I mean, I write letters all the time for people, for landlords to get out of their lease. I basically scare them to death that if they don't let this person out of their lease, they're going to die. I mean, that's pretty much what I tell them. And so they let them out of the lease, but then where are they going to go? Like, so down here in Southwest Florida, since Hurricane Ian, 75% of the structures were water damaged. Where are they going to go? You know, so we've got, I've got a lot of people in RVs right now. And I think that is a viable option for people who can figure out how to make this work, uh, either rental or buying an RV. Um, RVs have some advantages, they have disadvantages. Obviously, your RV world is different than living in your own place. Like it's not like big, it's like really tiny. And um, you know, you have to park it somewhere and hook it up to power. And you know, there's parts of the RV thing that you have to solve, but otherwise it's a nice, confined, probably leak-proof, although I've had a couple of patients that have had leaks, um, but, but pretty much leak-proof. We can wipe down the entire inside of the RV, decontaminate it, put an air filter in there. It's good. Like that's a clean place to recover, right? And it's portable. You can pick it up and move it to wherever part of the country you decide you want to go to, or you want to go stay with your mom or your aunt or whatever. Um, so I think RVs have some potential but I find rental situations extremely difficult to deal with. Uh, the landlords, property managers just really don't care. That's unfortunate. And we've talked about exposure in the sense of mold mostly so far. 
But the other two we see a lot of in our group, especially are Lyme and then long COVID. So how do you modify or do you modify the Shoemaker protocol for those exposures? Yeah, that's really important. Um, and I don't see tons of Lyme disease. And, and I'll tell you that I've been looking for 17 years and I have all these people come to me and say, oh, Dr. Grunning, I have Lyme disease. I've had it for years. They've given me two years worth of antibiotics. And I go and look and I can't really see that they have Lyme disease. Like there's no tests that are showing that it's true. They, some of them don't even have the genetics to get Lyme disease. Like you have to have the right HLA type to even get it in the first place. Now we're talking about chronic Lyme disease. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I question a lot of time those diagnoses. Um, but Lyme disease does exist, obviously. And so that does modify the protocol a little bit. People are a little more sensitive. Um, it's nicer to have them on higher doses of omega-3s before you start all this with them. But I kind of do that routinely with everybody anyway. So and it doesn't really change the protocol for me. COVID's a different issue. So I take care of a lot of long COVID patients and also vaccine injured patients, which I don't know if you want to get into that today if we have time, um, but I do a lot of that. And it's like peeling a, la a layer off of the onion just one by one. Like, yes, you probably have SIRS, but you also had COVID and you're probably sick from that. And by the way, you had two shots of the Moderna vaccine shot thing. It's not a vaccine. Um, that made you sick, right? And like, so now we have to fix all of that. Like, like you can't just do one part of it. Like you have to do all of it, right? And a lot of times... I, if they've had definite vaccine injury, like they tell me, Dr. Grunin, I got the shot and two days later, I was a mess. That's a vaccine injury, right? So then I've never been the same since. Plus I have SIRS on top of that, right? So then what do you do? So I kind of focus on fixing the vaccine injury first, maybe, because I know they're going to react to the to CSM and Wilco. I know they're going to have problems. It's just like people who have that are 11352s that have mast cell problems and histamine issues and chemical sensitivity, you know that you have to calm all that down first before you ever put them on the protocol or they're not gonna survive. Like they're gonna get sick. And they'll be calling my office every day like, I can't do this, I feel horrible, right? So you have to calm all that stuff down first. And I think the vaccine injury is the same thing. You gotta deal with that first. And I use the FLCCC protocols. I don't know if you guys talked about that before. So I follow that pretty rigidly and I have a nice um, handout that I've made up for patient with the exact steps I want them to do and the order I want them to do it. I think they've left it kind of nebulous. Like you have all these things that you could be doing but they don't really tell you like in what order or how to really do it. Um, so I've kind of figured that out for people and, and know how to do it. Um, long COVID to me is just SIRS by another name. You know, when I look at um, patients that have long COVID, and I think our own group, you know, has done a good job of studying this. There's been something published already by Richie's group. Um, we haven't found anybody really that had long COVID that doesn't have SIRS. So what I think is, you know, they had SIRS, they had the genetics, and this was like pouring gasoline on a fire. It just blew it up. And COVID is a biotoxin. And that's what we're going to just start linking that as or calling that. It's just another biotoxin to add to the list. Um, so it does turn on the spike protein production. You know, can we turn that off? Yes, we know how to turn that off. That's why we're doing this vaccine injury protocol. Um, but you can do that for long COVID patients too. So if I have someone who tells me, 
Um, Dr. Grenning, I had COVID two years ago and I was a mess for two months and I've never recovered. Then I think, okay, is it just SIRS or do you have spike protein issues going on? And if so, maybe we should put you on some hydrocybermectin for a while, which is pretty safe. So yeah, those two protocols kind of blend in with what I'm doing with SIRS patients. And that's true in my free clinic too. Do the same thing there. Wow. That's awesome. I'm glad that you're doing that work. Someone needs to. <laughs> well, somebody has to, because unfortunately we've been poisoned and you know we have to unpoison us. And um, just sometimes just fixing SIRS by itself isn't going to be enough. There's all these other layers that you have to deal with. And then, you know, what if they're hypothyroid really bad? You have to fix that. What if their adrenals are shy? You have to fix that. What if their hormones are a mess? You have to fix that. So there's all these various things to get people to feel better. But the underlying cause of all that is they got poison from their buildings. Like that's where you got to start. And then along the way, you put Band-Aids on these other issues until they start feeling better. But the vaccine injury thing is complicated. And so a lot of times, like I said, I'll start fixing that first before I ever do the SIRS. That's really good to know because I, I know we, we do have some members in the group who don't feel great on the binders when they start, like more than your average. You know, I know there's some side effects, of course, but um, I always assumed or I thought that, oh, you must still be in exposure. But it, I mean, you are, but it could be the vaccine. It could be other things, not just a bad environment like mold. So that's that's a really interesting nuance that I was not aware of. Thank so, you. So when people are, so I'm being like a medical detective, right? So if people are not progressing the way I think they should be progressing. And by the way, you mentioned something. I don't want my patients to ever feel sick on CSM or well call. Like mm -hmm. I don't want them to even know they're on a detox. Like if they're doing that, then they're going too fast. Like something's not right. And I have found quite a few people that will react to binders if they're still in exposure, which is a big issue. So sometimes I have to hold that off until we fix their environment first before we can actually put them on the binders, right? But otherwise I want it to be painless. I don't think you should be feeling sick doing this. I think that's ridiculous. Now to do that, got to fix histamine issues. You got to fix all these other issues. Well, you know, the, the vaccine injury is part of that, that you have to fix in order to be able to have a safer transition into the SERS care and not have reactions to those things. Yeah. And another thing that you shared in the podcast with Judy was um, your belief that people have to believe they can heal. Um, and you also mentioned, you know, a lot of your patients are coming from a place of trauma. Um, and then I also heard in that podcast, you mentioned people will go down rabbit holes of like limbic training and stuff like that. And it's not hundred percent effective without also doing something like a surge treatment. So for your patients who have had traumatic pasts, um, how do you inspire hope in them? Well, I'm a Christian doctor. So when people come to me, they know right up front that I'm a little different, right? And so I'm going to address physical, emotional, and spiritual healing. I'm going to be doing all of that with them. And I know that, you know, a third of SERS patients probably have PTSD from the studies that we've done. So I know a lot of my patients have that. I screen for that using ACEs scoring and other things to try to figure out about their past life and how much trauma there's been. And I ask them about all that. And I have... Um, counselors available who can help them process some of that information. And 
I think it's important to be dealing with that at the same time that you're dealing with your SIRS. But people will come to me and say, oh, I spent all this money on DNRS and limbic training and all this other things, and it hasn't helped me. Well, no, it hasn't helped you because you still have SIRS. Like, so you have to be doing that stuff and fix the physiological problem. And then if you still have issues, then yeah, maybe that could be really helpful to fix the rest of it, like counseling, DNRS, whatever it is that you're gonna do. But if you don't fix the underlying physiological disorder, that's not by itself gonna fix you. Yeah, I had a very similar experience. I was doing surge treatment and trying to make limbic training work because it's part of the protocol. And it just didn't, it didn't work for me until I was about six months in on the binders. And then all of a sudden it clicked and it was like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> this is how this is supposed to feel. And I think it's really inappropriate that those providers don't tell you that up front. Like they should be telling people up front, listen, this can only go so far until you fix your brain and fix your immune system and fix all this other stuff. This may not work for you yet. Maybe you should wait, but they don't tell you that. And that's very disappointing. <laughs> what was there? Did you have other topics that you wanted to cover? Well, I think still the, um, the SIRS on a budget thing is like usually helpful. Yeah. Um, you know, so what do we do? Um, what can people do out there that you have in your group, you know, who don't have money, don't have a lot of finances to do all this? Like, can they manage this protocol? And the answer is yes. Now, can as we talked about, may not need to do all the lab tests. Like, if you can find a provider who's willing to work with that and your and your budget and say, okay, you know, maybe we don't need all this or Maybe you say, well, I have a limited budget. What, what test should we do? Well, maybe we'll just do your genetics and we'll do an MSH level. Like that's $400. Like maybe you can get away with that. Um, but then it comes, how do you afford the binders? Like, so if you don't have insurance coverage for this and CSM, pure CSM is not covered under insurance anyway. So then what do you do for that? That's another cost, right? And so a lot of times for people, I'll put them on well call instead because if you look at good RX, you can go to a local pharmacy and maybe, you know, actually Mark Cuban's site has well call on it, but it's kind of cumbersome because you can only get 90 at a time, um, but it's a lot cheaper. So it's cheaper than CSM. Um, you know, CSM is going to run you roughly $100 a month um, to do that. Well call could potentially be $60 a month, maybe through Mark Cuban's site. So it's a little cheaper to do it that way. So we try to explore what's really the best option binder wise based upon your finances. Mm -hmm. um, so that's an important step. And then, you know, how are we going to test the house? Like, what can you, what can you afford to do with the house? Like how much, how much can we testing? Can, I mean, the more testing, the better. If we have to give on something, we give on the Actinos because why uh, it's going to come back high and in the vast majority of people. And so we're going to have to decontaminate the house anyway. So maybe we just, give on that for right now and just do the hurts me to an endotoxins deal with those issues. Do we need an inspector? Do we need the HVAC cleaned out? Focus more on that. And then at the end of all that say, okay, now it's time to decontaminate your home. Let me teach you how to do that. So I think that's something that's doable on a budget. I think the, the bigger issue is where to live. Um, you know, where am I going to go to recover from this? Like I can't stay in the place I'm in because the landlord doesn't care, it's contaminated, uh, I got to get out of here, you know, so that to me is like, helping people make those decisions about, you know, where should I go? Now, if you own your house, still a big decision. Like, so what I ask people right up front is, okay, 
your hurts me, you know, your, your aspergillus levels are 1700. Do you really like this house? Like, do you really want to stay here? Like if you love this town, you love your neighborhood, you love your home and you really, really want to stay here. All right, then fine. Let's bring somebody in. We'll help figure it out. We'll decontaminate it. But if you were thinking of moving to Montana anyway, like, Let's, this is the time to go. Like, let's just leave. Don't even try to do this, right? This is the sign um, you were looking for. Right. This is the sign you were looking for. Now, why people would live in Montana, I don't know. I actually have a couple of patients in Montana. And I'm like, what's the weather like there? Oh, it's 100 degrees right now. Like, what? In Montana? That's crazy. What's it like in the winter? It's minus 50. Like, who would want to live in a place like that? Like, give me a break. Like, I don't want to go there. I hear um, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's gorgeous. I mean, Montana is beautiful. Um, it's a gorgeous place. It's just freezing cold. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm from Southwest Florida. Like, I can't do that anymore. Um, but I, I also don't like hurricanes coming through here all the time. So that's not fun either. But every place has its problems, right? You either have wildfires, you have tornadoes, or you have drought, or you have hurricanes, or you have something. Ha I mean, every place is going to have its issues. You have to go wherever God says, okay, this is where I want to park you, either because of family or job or whatever it's going to be. And you make the best of it. And you've got to create a clean environment wherever you are. It's doable. You can do this. I guess my big question is the last step of the SERS protocol is VIP spray. And it is pricey. <laughs> Very expensive. Yes. Yeah. Very so how expensive. do you handle that? I don't know. Um, you know, it's if it's the insurance companies don't cover it. Um, it's totally cash. Um, I work with a pharmacy out in Colorado called Apothecary Shop. I'll give a little plug to them. Jacob, who's the pharmacist out there, loves to deal with SERS patients. And he supplies pure CSM and nasal sprays and whatever else I need, but he has VIP. And his VIP is a lot less expensive than a lot of other VIPs. Um, and there's reasons for that. So how he ships it and so basically they ship it as a powder and then you have to reconstitute it and mix it up yourself. And they give you instructions how to do that. But, um, you know, that's the least expensive option I've had. And he's really trying to keep his cost down and make it more affordable for people. But VIP, like you said, is still costly. Like, so if you have brain injury and you've got multiple areas of atrophy and we need to put you on higher doses of VIP, like 12 sprays a day, that's about $300 a month. But lot less than other places are charging. So it is, it's, it's hard. Um, you know, if people can't afford that, then they can't afford it. And we have to just maximize every other part of the step that we can do. We know that Shoemaker's protocol reverses brain atrophy, you know, but you get to a certain point where you're kind of just stopped and then you have to move on to VIP to kind of get the rest of it. And um, if you can afford it, that's great. If you can't afford it, you know, it's not so great. Uh, one of the things that I found really helpful is to do lumosity. I don't know if you ever talk about lumosity on here. So lumosity are brain games, and they were developed by neuroscientists to help people with um, traumatic brain injuries and dementia. And the NFL uses it. Um, there's 40 million people that do lumosity. So um, you just go to lumosity.com. You sign up for the paid version, not the free version, and they'll send you, they have like 40 different games and they'll send you each day a five game workout. And you do those brain games. Uh, these are totally different than doing like Sudoku and crossword puzzles and Scrabble or whatever else you're gonna do. This is designed to reestablish all these little connections in your brain that are dysfunctional. Well, 
that's really super helpful. Like I watch my patients do that and they give you a brain score each day and you can see them trekking up, like your brain scores are improving, right? It's very encouraging to people. It's encouraging to me that their brains are getting better. Um, and so, um, so Lumosity could be really helpful in this. There is, um, and if you've talked about this on the podcast before, that one of the areas of brain atrophy that we see is called the caudate. And the caudate does not recover well. Um, from this process. MSH levels don't recover well from this process. Um, you know, we're, we keep kind of looking at, is your MSH going up? And for most people, it's not. Um, and is your caudate getting better? It's not. Um, even on high doses of VIP, I don't see the caudate getting a lot better. And Richie has talked about this and said, no, it doesn't get better. Um, but here's, what I, here's what's really cool. So God has designed our bodies with these redundant systems and, and workarounds and things that you know you could do. So if the quadate is atrophied and not working well, you can develop tracks around it to take on those functions. And quadate is very much involved with you know, crossing your brain and multitasking and focusing and, and being able to do those things. Well, I found Lumosity to be very helpful in improving those skills and helping to develop those tracks uh, around the quad eight. That's fascinating. I think I'm going to sign up right after this. <laughs> it's not expensive. It's a few dollars a month. Um, but if you do it every day, you're going to see, you know, significant improvement in your brain function. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of these amazing tips for getting through SIRS treatment on a budget. I know that's a big concern for a lot of people. And thank you so much for sharing about long COVID and vaccine injury. I know a lot, a lot of people are now finding SIRS through long COVID or through their SIRS treatment, finding uh, treatment for long COVID. So thank you so much again for all of the work that you do. We cannot express our gratitude enough. Oh, I love what I'm doing. And, um, you know, if you want me on again at some other point, talk about something else, obviously I have no talk problem talking. Um, and, you know, I loved um, being on with Judy. She is amazing. And um, doing, I'm, do, I'm a carnivore myself, so I'm doing carnivore now. I have a, lots of patients doing carnivore because I really think it helps tremendously. But as Judy pointed out, it doesn't fix your SIRS. It really helps with the symptoms, your inflammation levels, your brain function. I mean, I've experienced that myself, uh, but it doesn't fix your SIRS. You still have to fix the root cause of this. Yep. JC and I know that intimately well. <laughs> we both were a carnivore quite a quite a long time before we finally were like, nah, this I'm actually isn't at right. the point now where I'm Judy's let me introduce back in, you know, some avocados and it's mango season down here. So I get to have some mangoes. I, I love mangoes. So rigid anymore, you know, like I used to be. Um, and it's worked out. I mean, even though I'm I'm adding some carbs back in now, uh, it hasn't really degraded my, you know, how I felt from carnivore, which has been good. That's awesome. That's amazing. Well, was there anything else that you would like to plug or talk about um, before we let you go? Um, so if people want to learn more about um, our free clinic, now this is only for people who live in Florida, unfortunately. You, uh, we work through the Florida Department of Health. Um, you have to meet certain financial requirements and we're a sovereign immunity clinic. So anyway, but if you're in Florida and you don't have the resources to get treatment for SIRS, uh, and you don't have insurance or you have Medicaid, you can call our free clinic. I do virtual visits. I can see you anywhere in Florida. Um, so just go to christianmedicalministries.org and look at our website. There's a contact information there. People can learn more. Um, we also have this uh, organization called the Christian SIRS Network that I founded, um, and it's uh, sirsnetwork.org. 
And it's, uh, we have a nice website and it's basically a bunch of shoemaker people who are followers of Jesus, who decided to get together and, and create our own sites that people who are looking for someone um, to help them spiritually as well as physically um, can go to that site and find providers, um, find IEPs, sign, find coaches like Jenny Johnson, like different people on there who are part of our group, Judy's part of the group, um, you know, who are like-minded, uh, who would give a, who give a different level of care uh, to SERS patients. So that is available also. And then um, my website is fibromyalgiafortmyers.com. If you're interested in learning more about, you know, what I do, I have a ton of different stuff on there. Um, you know, feel free to go there and look. Beautiful. Yeah. We'll have all those links in the show notes as well for you guys. Cool. Thank you again for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. It's wonderful to, to get, and I want to give a plug back to you. I mean, you guys, Barbara, JC, you are doing something so important, like so incredibly needed. Um, you're giving people sane advice. Like there's a lot of crazy groups out there giving people insane advice, but you guys are reining that all in and saying, no, we're going to only give you what advice really, really matters for your care here. And then we're not going to have you doing weird stuff that doesn't help you at all. We're going to keep you focused on what's really important to get well from this. And I just, I love you guys. I appreciate what you're doing. Oh, thank you for saying that. Yeah, thank you so much. Right back at you. We hope you enjoyed this interview with Dr. Grunning. We couldn't thank him enough for being on the podcast and for just generally his contributions to the SERS community. He's doing amazing work. If you're interested um, in getting more resources and support on your SERS journey, you can join us over at thesersgroup.com. See you there.